Welcome to the Story Forward podcast, season 2.5, sort of a summer replacement season. I am one of your hosts, Larry Rosen, alongside my co-host, Christian Wynn. Say hello to the people. Hello, I am Christian Wynn, co-host of this podcast. And oh, yeah. you're so much more, though. You are also the co-founder and director of Story Fort. And what would you call your relationship with Story Forward and what, you know, as long as we're here. Let's tell I'm the people gonna... <laughs> what Story Forward is and its nascent development. Yeah, I know. It's become, I mean, we've had the podcast now for a bit, but we're actually doing kind of morphing our focus uh, with our year-round programming that uh, Story Fort has officially brought you in the past, but now it's under the label of Story Forward, where we're doing, you know, a number of reading series, a number of cool events, continuing the podcast. We're hopefully going to do some live podcasts in front of real people um, this, this summer and fall if we can get Larry over to Voices. But I think I'm calling myself the director of Story Forward as okay. well. But I mean, I don't want to take away from the rest of our team. You're actually we'll... the heart beating at the center of Story Forward. I'm, Is that I'm accurate? I think that's accurate to say. We had planned, season three has been skeletally planned. We know what we're doing and we'll tell you about mm-hmm. that a little bit later, but it's not happening right away due to scheduling issues and all kinds of stuff. So we wanted to fill the time and we happen to have some content sitting around. Tell us where we got this content. We have content from Story Fort and Tree Fort 2022, which happened in March of 2022, as uh, you know, we kind of rebooted back to our normal traditional time slot. And so, yeah, we, we recorded most all of our Story Fort events. And so there's some really cool poetry, fiction, memoir, bartenders telling stories, um, backstage pass, which we'll get to here in a second, which is all about the music world. We have, oh gosh, Storyscapes from the the festival and I don't know just all kinds of great multifaceted audio from uh, what we did in March here yes and I was there and it was as usual fantastic yeah what was your uh, I don't know give us your take on like tree Ford and story Ford. I know you're gonna ask what my role is in story Ford and tree oh, you are <laughs> I, that's a good question too but I'll wait. I feel like my role in in story Ford really started to crystallize this time when I realized I was a host and facilitator. My services were in demand. They were, we put you to work. (laughs) Enough that I had to say no to one event and then showed up at the event in the audience and couldn't help myself but to moderate from the audience. Now you were and have been invaluable. to our team and, but as an artist too, so you've been able to, you know, be in there yourself. I have a couple goals, a couple of story fort goals moving forward. Uh, One of them is to expand my presence until my entire family attends story fort with me, which could possibly happen (laughs) as soon as next March. Okay, okay. I mean, we brought the Jonathan Evison family out, so we- It would be a very different experience if you brought my family because my child is fully grown. Right. And able and very enthusiastically able to go into 21 and over spaces and plans to bring a couple friends. So, yeah, that's goal number one. Uh, goal number two is to someday be at Story Fort as a member of a panel rather than the moderator of the panel. Mm. And I'm hoping, to, I'm hoping I'm getting closer to that. We can we'll make see. that happen. We can definitely make that happen. Yeah, um, but I have to have something, some reason to be there other than this guy he knows how to talk. Well, I almost hesitate to ask you what your Story Ford experience is like because Story oh, Ford appears to occupy 75% of your waking hours. <laughs> well, I mean, not year round fully, but including Story Forward stuff now, too. And, uh, yeah, but 
During the actual festival, or the fest as we like to call it, people, you included, Larry, um, have asked me to go hang out, go to this show or this or that. And it's pretty hard. It's, it's pretty chaotic. And I won't go into all the details, but just uh, suffice it to say, not a lot of sleep and a little bit of stress. But you're, you're more of a ghost than usual, this last story for it. I know. And I did have a, you know, a friend in town for part of it. And she wanted to go see some shows. And so I'm spending time with her a little bit. And you guys, and it's just hard to... I said to say no to staying out too late most times, but you know, um, you know, I, that's what I realized my first story for it. Because when I went up, God, oh, it'll be great. I'll hang out with Chris all the time. I'm like, oh no, I'm not. I better hang out with some people, other people. I better find some people to hang out with. Yes, and you have, which is sure, it, but you know what? That is, and I'm glad that we segue to that because that is one of the things I treasure most about Story Ford. Is there's a lot of people there that I only see once a year, and it's fantastic to be able to spend time with them. Yeah, and one of those people is uh, our friend Sam Berman, who's going to be featured in this first episode. Should we get into kind of what it's about? One of the one of my favorite events at Story Fort, and I almost feel like it's a hybrid event, a Story Fort Tree Fort event. It's mm -hmm. opening night. Usually, it is called Backstage Pass. It is at my favorite venue, the 10th Street Station. Station, yeah, 10th Street Station. Right there. 10th Street. <laughs> yep. uh, it's a real cozy environment. It can get really raucous. We get anywhere between four and six people up there telling stories, coalesced around a theme that takes us behind the scenes in some sort of music-related way. I did it once uh, my first time, and it was fantastic. I told a little story. Uh, I've since hosted it with you, and it's just a really, it's a really good opportunity to see people you wouldn't normally see tell stories uh, and learn stuff you wouldn't normally learn. Yeah, then we do raffle off stuff, too. Oh, that's right. We do raffle off stuff. Yeah, we do raffle off a, a, a poncho this year. And that was my favorite thing, <laughs> where it was a little folded-up poncho and a little that's tiny right. bag, and we didn't even know what it was. And we asked somebody in the audience if they knew what it was, and immediately the randomness of the raffled items is a highlight as well. I have no idea where we even got a poncho to, to raffle like, off. Yeah, it was like a beer promo or something. It's probably a PBR poncho. Yeah, a PBR poncho. Uh, what we've got for this episode for you is a real treat. Two, I think, two really strong storytellers. Um, Sam Berman, who we mentioned earlier. Um, he is an up-and-coming author, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's had a number of stories published this last year since Storyfort time even so yeah he's he's uh under my tutelage I feel like yes he is yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> he will he will explain ad nauseum what he owes to you but he's also a really funny storyteller and he tells a story about meeting Guy Fieri that's how you pronounce it it's not Fieri it's Fieri okay and it's also not about music on this one but it is Back, a backstage pass, a glimpse behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and he was in a, it's about him being in a band too. That's true. That's true. Uh, at a music festival meeting Guy Fieri. Uh, Sam is not the hero of this story. Nope. I don't know <laughs> if there is a hero to this story in that story. I think Guy Fieri is the hero of the story. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Joe Davidson, who is the Story Fort assistant director and is a part of the Story Forward team, tells a really fun, funny kind of heartfelt story about uh i think warped festival right it's our warped is it warped tour warped yeah. Festival? Yeah. yeah 
and a guy, an artist named Yellow Wolf, um, who he just kind of happened to meet without knowing he was kind of a famous artist. And he just like hanging out with this guy with like face tattoos and neck tattoos and just kind of a, you know, a bigger than life character when he was a young man in his punk stage, Joe was. And um, you'll hear it here in a second, but it's a pretty sweet story as well behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and warning to parents with young children, there is quite a bit of bad language in Joe's story. <laughs> yeah. Also, we're going to like blend in a little bit of a storyscape, which was audio recorded from um, by a guy named Travis Abels, who was a great storyteller. We're going to get his audio on this season, too, for his own stories are told. But he collected audio through something called what he calls the curious ear. Curious ear, which is an actual giant ear he lugs around and brings places and records people speaking into the ear. And there's just some awesome little clips about Tree Ford, about life, about making it through COVID and um, this kind of the, I don't know, just this spring was really special in a lot of ways because the weather was really great here. Um, we were fortunate on that in March, it's not always so nice and voicey. And everybody was out in full force and people were just, uh, I think feeling the Tree Ford and Story Ford love. So some of those clips, a lot of those clips have to do with um, just people's take and being joyous during the festival. So should we talk about Risa real quick too? She's an amazing poet and she is not to be trifled with and she has some important social justice issues she gets to as a black woman who's a very interesting and full life and experienced a lot of, um, of challenges, we'll say, that she writes about in her poems and just speaking to uh, the state of race in America and the world, really, um, in her poetry, um, but particularly America. But she is going to be the third act, I guess, or maybe just yeah, probably the third act to close out this episode when she brings it for sure. So one thing about our summer season 2.5 is we've relaxed a little bit of our rigid formula, which is yeah. We're just gonna, we gotta do kind of this, you know, the storyscape is kind of the theme of sorts here. We're kind of putting a mosaic of stories together for, for everybody. Yes, exactly. And it should be right. fun and celebratory and cool to, for us at least, hopefully for some of you all who were at Story Fort and Tree Fort, kind of a little bit of a stroll down memory lane from earlier in the, in the year. So, right. We'll throw it to the stories and then we'll be back. Speaking of Joe Davidson, he is a writer. He is a video maker and a streamer who lives right here in Boise, Idaho. He is a serial dropout of theater school and creative writing school. Almost got that degree in creative writing. Woo! But here's what Joe does, and I think this is awesome, so I actually texted this to a friend of mine to let him know this is what Joe does. He works to help make spaces for people to share their stories. But tonight, he gets to tell his story. So come on up, Joe. <laughs> there we go. Can, can you hear me? Can you hear me in the back? I see some thumbs that I can I can almost see that far. Hey, yeah, so my name's Joe. Um, among those other things, I'm also the assistant director of Story Fort. I'm here as kind of a, Hey, yeah, clapping! I love clapping. It's my favorite thing. Um, I'm here as kind of the first sacrificial lamb of the storytelling <laughs> to get you all warmed up. Uh, and I got a couple of questions for you uh, just to see where we're at. Are you, are you all familiar with Warp Tour? Yeah. yeah! Okay, so you get the like idea of seeing kids and shit? Yeah! yeah. 
Okay. Um, are, is anyone here familiar with the rapper Yellow Wolf? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay, for those of you who aren't, Yellow Wolf, uh, one of the first like big scene white rappers, he was signed to Eminem's record label back around the time this story is going to take place. Uh, imagine like kind of a tallish guy, skinny, covered in face tattoos, tattoos everywhere, big hat, kind of like the hat on that table. That's a that's important right here. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so we got Warped Tour, we got Scene Kids, we got Yellow Wolf. We're feeling pretty good with the setup so far. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, I want you to imagine a Joe that is very different than the Joe you see before you. I think much skinnier, uh, got a mohawk, got lip rings, got eye makeup. We're, we're with that, the scene kid look. Yeah. That was me at one, uh, one time. Uh, some of you went to school with me back then. Hi, Doc. Uh, so familiar with that look. So now we're going to fast forward from that a couple of years. I'm a little older, probably 18 to 20s. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I've had a lot of concussions since then, and I've also drank a lot since then and tonight. Um, yeah? We're yeah. Street. You should be yeah. Yeah. But there we are. Okay, so we got all the beginning stuff out of the way. Um, so I was like a little punk rocker scene kid, whatever. I loved going to Warped Tour. Uh, it was my favorite thing. I would go with all my friends, uh, one of which is in the back. Hi, Mick. Uh, we'd go to Warped Tour, have a good time, see all the scene bands. It was great. And then as I get older, I'm still trying to hold on to that identity, whatever. I'm in my 20s. I still got the mohawk. Uh, kind of a piece of shit. You know, you get <laughs> But, um, and this is in the like, early stages of Twitter as well. And Epitaph tweets out, hey, we need a photographer to be at Warp Tour. It's one of the last Warp Tours that's coming through Idaho. And my dad's like, my son has a digital camera. He'll do it. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So I end up getting invited to go to Warp Tour. Epitaph is paying me. They got me into the concert. I have my camera, and I'm like, yeah, sick. I used to love this. This is I'm going to recapture my youth. It's going to be so fun. And I get in, um, and it sucks ass. <laughs> it's really weird being this, like, 18, 20-something. None of my friends are there. It's a bunch of teenagers with, like, floofy hair, and it's all different colors, which is awesome. I was that teenager once. But I'm feeling pretty weird about the whole thing. Um, but you know, I'm getting texts from the Epitaph guy. I show up at different sets. I take photos. Um, I'm, I'm having an okay time talking to people, but it's getting kind of weird. I might be a little high. Um, <laughs> you know, as as things go. It's warp tour. Yeah, it's warp tour, man. Gets it. Uh, just seeing shows, taking photos, being in the pit, whatever. Um, and how it worked is I would get a message from the Epitaph guy, and he'd be like, I need you here right now. Get to this stage. So I'm getting from stage to stage, seeing some cool bands. I have the press pass, getting in front of them. Um, another question that I forgot to ask at the beginning, are you familiar with, like, Escape the Fate? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, Falling in Reverse, Ronnie Radke? Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, Didn't he go to prison? Yeah, several times. He's a piece of shit. Uh, so I assigned, I get the text, it's like, hey, go take a picture of falling in reverse. And I'm like, oh, god damn it, okay. So I have to fight my way through a crowd of like scene girls. They're, you know, they're 16, 13, having a great time. They don't realize Ronnie Radke is the man he is. But I get in the like the photo area, I'm taking I'm taking photos of the band, it's fun. He sees me and he looks me in the eyes, he takes a big swig of water, he spits all fucking over me. I'm like, it's my camera, me, everything. And he's just like spewing water over me. So I flip him off, you know, it's the thing to do. And I get mobbed. 
by these girls in the oh, no. oh. <laughs> They start like hitting me, and they're so jealous. He like threw his water bottle, and they're so mad. I've had it about up to fucking here with these scene bands and these assholes. Uh, for reference, he went to prison for like selling drugs. He's a sex offender. Uh, he sucks. Yeah, great. But anyway, spits all over. Horrible me. version. Horrible. Yeah, can we get a boo? <laughs> yeah, I feel validated. All right. Anyway, so I'm having a bad time. This is what this is. I've just been spit on by one of the most famous felons in the scene. I'm all alone. None of my friends are here. I'm high. It's a bad time, and I get a break. Um, this was when I was a teenager. I was. I'm better now. I'm an upstanding citizen, Christian. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> so I find my way, I'm on a break, I find my way to another stage, and I start having kind of a good time. There's a, I can't remember the name of the band, a female-fronted pop-punk band. I'm watching, I'm having a good time, and I'm standing next to this guy, a uh, tall guy, face tattoos, arm tattoos, real quiet. Uh, and I don't quite realize at the time, but there's a lot of room starting to like grow around us, which is strange in a warp Tour, for those who've been there, it's usually like, Bodies on bodies, you're smelling everyone. <laughs> and they don't always smell great, you know. But I'm there and uh, standing with this guy and we're watching this band and I finally start having a good time. I'm chatting with him, he's real quiet, real reserved guy. We're talking music, we're talking about the bands we've seen. And I'm like, okay, this, this guy gets it, I'm having a great time. And we're talking, and, the, and the, the area is just getting fuller, like emptier and emptier, which is really weird at uh, the tour. And then the, the band is kind of winding down, and this uh, little, she must have been like 14, 15, girl comes running up and she screams, high pitched, oh my God, Yellow Wolf! And I look at the guy and I look at her and I have this realization that the person I've been standing with for like 20 minutes is Yellow Wolf, who has like just been signed to Eminem's record label. He's the headliner at this Warp Tour. And I'm just like standing next to him this whole time. I had no idea. And I was just like, oh shit. And then the girl's like, can you take a, can you take a picture? And at that moment, we're mobbed by everyone. It's like her and all of her friends, like her whole school. A whole line of fucking teeny boppers with their, their frizzy hair and the, you know, their like notebooks and they want to take pictures with them. And I'm the guy with the camera. So I stand there for the next fucking like half an hour taking pictures of little teenagers with Yellow Wolf, who is uh, a, he's an alright rapper if you're into that. You know, he did get signed to Eminem's label and he's a talented fellow. And he just looks mortified the whole fucking time. And I'm snapping photo after photo on these cell phones. He's signing autographs. They finally start dispersing, and he's just like, ah, oh, man, that's fucking weird. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> and I'm still like kind of in shock that I've been standing here next to this famous man I was reading about in my fucking magazines. And he just fist bumps me. He fades back into the crowd. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's the, the area that I've had is just not there anymore. It's surrounded by bodies, like nothing ever happened. I just get the fist bump from Yellow Wolf. He fades into the distance. <laughs> and it was then I realized that like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not a scene kid anymore. <laughs> uh, this might not be for me. But I'll always have that time I hung out with Yellow Wolf. Thank you. So next, next uh, storyteller is an important new voice in contemporary American fiction. True story.
short story writer who lives in Boise and works in a nice warehouse with Wes, Peter, and Whitney. You know what? I'll get to that later. <laughs> He's been published in Maudlin House, Illuminations, Smoke Long Quarterly, and recently won Forever Magazine's Unconventional Love Stories competition. You can find that online. You can yeah, find that online. All right. <laughs> there is great love in everything he does for his family, Chelsea, and his new puppy, Thomas. But you can call him Tom. He threatened to bring Thomas or Tom. <laughs> but, yeah. And before he comes up here, uh, he wants to remind all you writers out there to take a workshop with this man, Christian Wynn. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Sam Berman. Berman out of Okay, I don't think to preface my story like Joe did, I think the only thing you need to know is that the Midwest, Chicago, where this story takes place, they have a very interesting relationship to celebrities. Um, you could show, you could show the average postal worker in Chicago a picture of Timothy Chalamet, and he would look at it and he would go, is that guy dating my dog? They would have no idea, but the average Chicagoan definitely can tell you the backside of Mike Dick's head from 40 yards. They have a whole different caliber of celebrity out there. There are people we've never heard of that are the most famous people. When you get out in O'Hare Airport, there is a picture of Brian Erlacher, a linebacker for the Bears from 10 years ago. First thing you see when you come into the city. Most people don't know who that is. I can tell by the silence. In <laughs> and that's great. That's important. That's the most important part of this story. Okay. So I need my phone just for this next part. I was living in Chicago with some cool guys in a band. Cool band, hot band, had some heat. How <laughs> hot? They were hot. And they were playing Lollapalooza. And, you know, we were feeling cool, we were like, yo, that shit's so lame, all the other bands suck, except for the band you're in playing at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, it's all bullshit, it is bullshit, the Red Hot Chili Peppers suck, all that. <laughs> but still desperately monitoring what was being said about the festival. That's when, we're chilling in the living room, we're about a week out right now. This text comes through on Twitter. So that's a tweet, not a text. Uh, it says, just had a great event with Dr. Pepper and the new Kroger in Louisville. Now off to Chi-Town for Lollapalooza. Guy Fieri tweeted that. And that is where this story starts. Okay, so like most 23-year-old hipsters at the time, we thought the coolest thing to do would be to go up and get a picture with Guy Fieri. Not like these incredible rocker guys that have been there. Like the whole joke was like, well, you know, irony, all that. We're gonna get him. He's gonna stand, you know, right in between the four of us. We're gonna be in the picture. It'll be, I don't know, cool? <laughs> it wasn't, but it didn't happen. And this is how it went. We first get there. Lollapalooza, big festival. The first thing they do, first day to get everyone loose, is they do a celebrity kickball game. Guy Fieri was playing in it. We knew that. We clocked that coming in. We get there. We're at left field. We're watching him. He's playing third base. He's bent over. 
He has a great game. He is a phenomenal, Guy Fieri is a phenomenal, like a truly phenomenal kickball player. <laughs> Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is a bad kickball player. Uh, Rahm Emanuel is a bad kickball player. There, there are a number of bad kickball players here. He is pretty good, pretty spry for a guy who's I would guess three feet tall and four feet wide. I mean, the, the proportions in person are pretty wild, right? So we get there, plays a great game. He's sweating pretty good. The spikes are maintaining. Whatever he uses, like fully spiked hair, all good. Thousand percent. You see him walking off the field at the end of the game. We go, now's our chance for the picture. We go, oh, this, this is going to be awesome. You know, we're very excited about this and very drunk about this. It's a very <laughs> drunk and exciting time. We go there, this guy gets in the way. He goes, no pictures. There is a guy whose whole job it is, professionally, is to run interference for a guy whose whole job professionally is to eat jalapeno poppers. <laughs> he not, like, it just wasn't gonna happen. He goes, no way. He like literally stones us. He goes, no way. And now the challenge has been set. We follow him. You know, Kanye West is going up. No, 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 no. We gotta follow him over to the porta potties. We follow him out there. No. Craft services. He goes back there. Doesn't eat anything. What? He has an interesting relationship to food, certainly. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, then we follow him back around to an AT&T sponsored event. His security guy goes in, I assume to check for bombs, something like that, you know. Um, and he's alone for a moment. And we go up to him and we go, guy. And he turns around, he's like on his phone, probably definitely texting his wife, he has kids, you know, the whole thing. And we go, hey man, Flavor Town, you know. <laughs> and he goes, yeah man, totally. Just right back to his phone, like literally one, like, like. And we look up and we're like, no man, we're, we're fans, Flavor Town. And he looks up, you know, he's like, okay, they're gonna knock me. Puts the phone, looks up. And in this moment, I saw this thing from him where it's like, I knew, I knew the look on his face was like, this is a guy that goes around, and there are these hipster dickwads trying to like get a funny picture with him everywhere. Like this is not a the first time this has ever happened to him, certainly. Like I'm like, yeah, yeah, you guys know the show, it's funny, right? Yeah. Aren't people aren't the flyover states so goofy? You know, the whole thing. And, and he's like, nah man, I'm not really into pictures. You know, the whole thing. And we're like, all right, not into pictures. And he's like, Nah, dude, I'm just trying to text my wife, you know, chill out. You guys have a good time. He was very kind to us. We walk away, go get a beer, and we are just like, fuck that guy. He, what, a, what, a, what a narcissist, what, what a truly insane asshole this guy is. <laughs> to be so withholding. A guy who goes into diners and gas stations and eats trash. And to illustrate that, I have a quick, these are real, Everyone here is familiar with the Guy Fieri. These are real things on his menu in Times Square. Guy Fieri's Flavor Town Kitchen. Trash can nachos. Gone dong danger fish balls. Lobster lollipops. And chicken. Just chicken. That's what it's called, chicken. So he has that going. And that's fine. Security guard comes out, we go. I guess that's it. I mean, we're not getting the picture. He's not into it. He doesn't want anything to do with us. He wants to stand side stage, hang out, not be bothered. Then we keep drinking. And we really, really do keep drinking. Dusk is starting to set. 
He's hanging out. We're, we're watching from afar, literally like an animal stalking their prey. We are no farther than 40 yards behind him. Just instinctually, without even saying anything, we start spreading out. Maybe 20, like creating a perimeter around this guy. Because he makes eye contact with one of us again, then it's too weird, he has to take the picture, the whole thing. He doesn't, he's smart, he keeps his head down. He really just minds his own business. Despite the hair, and you're looking the spikes straight in the eye when he bends down on his phone. They're looking right at it. It is sort of, it's all very animal planet at this point. <laughs> Starts shuffling. He's getting tired on his feet. We know he's leaving. We start seeing him walk towards the gate. We got the beers going. We go, this, this is our chance. We, we're like, we can't actually let this guy leave without getting the picture. We've wasted far too much time trying to make this happen. We run at him. All four points of conversion, convert. We're going, guy, guy, come on now. We were joking around earlier. We really are fans. We really are fans. He turns around. This is the exit of the festival, the backstage there. There are fans of his. There are people that devote their lives to this guy. I mean, he really is like a very, think Martha Stewart in the night. He's very famous in the Midwest. There are people that have driven in from Wisconsin just to see this guy who blesses nacho cheese fries. He's like, like a real thing. He's at the edge of the gate. And we go, and he goes, now pictures, dude. He flips down his sunglasses, walks out to all these people, and is immediately like, Flavor Town, let's go. He's doing pictures with everybody. Every single one of his real fans out there. And there's not a lot to learn from this. Uh, but if we are gonna learn from this, let it be this. If you're good at something, never do it for free. And if you are gonna do it for free, don't do it for like hipster fuckheads. Do it for your real fans who like are really there, will drive down. Do it for the people of Flavortown. Yeah. Thank you. This is my first time at Tree Fort. Yeah, you're at Tree Fort. Tree Fort is so special. It just like kind of all encompasses Boise. I love the diversity. The community, the fashion, seeing the place I grew up in being brought to life. It's like the ushering in of spring. Good excuse to get together as a group of friends. This feels like the family reunion for all of us. Oh, hell yeah. This is where I belong. It feels like the music just takes over, like I'm no longer in charge of my body. And you know, the music is just one component of it. There's so many different storytellers, activists, artists, yoga for it and film for it and story for it. All these different forts came from passion in our own community. The nooks and crannies of my fucked up brain. There's nothing better about Boise than this. You probably heard a lot of people say that they saw things at Tree Fort that were once in a lifetime. I hope I don't outlive Tree Fort. I want it to just keep going on and on and on. We love you, Boise! Our final poet of the day is Risa Kebelshaw Collins. Risa is an essayist, poet, and fiction short story writer. 
she studies creative writing at Boise State University, where she served on the editorial staff of the Idaho Review. Reese has earned an MSW at University of Houston. She holds a BFA in drama from Carnegie Mellon University and was a member of the original Broadway production of For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide. Reese's work can be found within different reviews. And if we are talking nonfiction, it is going to be within the North American Review here and our uh, fiction story within, within the Michigan Quarterly Review. Please, my heart opens to Risa and come on up here and kick some ass. Risa loves you too. There's some item here, technological item. Did somebody leave something up here? This? that's <laughs> recording. So, um, I, can you hear me? So I'm so grateful for this space and for that wonderful music in the background. I wish I had written Hannah's poem about a black rhino. I wish I had written that poem. I wish Ryan were my son or grandson. I wish these four young women right there by lid were mine. Anything, everything, whatever. Okay. So um, Lid once told me that Emily Patinos was her one of her favorite poetry teachers. So. I took a poetry class with Emily. She's such a strong poet. And the four pieces that I'm going to read, I wrote in her class last semester. Three of them have recently been published. Thank you. Um, and I'm grateful to Ryan for workshopping these poems. And I credit him that um, they got published, because he helped me. Um, what else I so he told you about that, and I'll have books back there on the table. And thank you, Storyboard, for inviting me a second time. So if you want to move a little closer, feel free. I'll give you a minute. I'm a little nervous about this in the background, but hang with me. Purge 
light moon indicted for the death they mocked. My stomach churns as seaside turns far right, far white storms forewarning civil war looms. Smoking gun, gray sky, red Mars, black sun rising white. Supremacy seeks to suppress the vote. Semi-welcoming war-driven Afghans as white border boys beat back, expel black Haitians. Catastrophe-driven, they walked. Apocalyptic miles dreamed. Post-apocalyptic nightmares. A white Idaho woman confessed no masks were worn at her baby shower. She caught COVID, gave birth on a ventilator. They cut the baby out amid vaccine hesitancy, hoarding unhoused neighbors can't quarantine. Friends need health care. Chemo nurses drag ass to therapists. We're unhinged. I leave food, money, notes, blue kids. Suspicious. 
140 pounds, five foot six, night in white, Aurora, Colorado. Black innocence, guitarist, walking, sketchy, unarmed, not accused of any crime, Denver, blue line, where domestic terror foments, three Chromatic officers tackle Elijah to ground, chokehold him down in that special suite of white hell reserved for black men. My name's Elijah McLean. I can't breathe. Please stop. They do not. Three depigmented lawmen, two of whom are former USA Marines, Randy Rodima and Nathan Woodyard, plus one Jason Rosenblatt, cuff Black Elijah's hands behind his back. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. I, I don't kill flies. I don't eat meat. Forgive me. He vomits, gasps for air. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I can't breathe correctly. This night, sands light, hushed white hot fascist winds whirl. Alt-right blood rushes, swirls. Blanched paramedic Jeremy Cooper takes Lieutenant Peter Kokuniak's order, injects slender Elijah McLean with 500 mg ketamine, post-heavy sedative dose on his vomit, Elijah chokes, heart attacks, declared brain dead. Pray tell how the hell did all three body cams fall off during the arrest. Our best supremacists, three more on-duty officers, Erica Marrero, Jaron Jones, and Kyle Dietrich arrive at the scene where Elijah was stopped. They pose for selfies, smile, laugh, joke. They reenact the same chokehold used on Elijah by righteous sworn officers of law. Jason Rosenblatt even sends ha-ha texts, mocks Black Elijah's death. Bloodlet. Meteors sliced, smoked sky. August heat slits clouds. Officer Rustin Sheski, white policeman, fire cracks seven bullets into the back of black man Jacob Blake, grabs Blake's shirt from behind. White ice pickaxes Blake's black back at point-blank range in the presence of Blake's three young black sons. 
White fire power thunders, disposable falling star, crimson sun sob stutter, singed moons shatter, burned hearts burst shuddered, red summer slaughters, meteors slice, smoked skies, white pile, written house, vigilante, shoots three, wounds one, kills two, goes free. Black teen Crystal Kaiser shoots, kills, grown white man known for grabbing black girls by the pussy. August heats, ship clouds, Kenosha bloodlets with impunity while white men shoot. So you can see I've been obsessed with the police murder of black men and black people. And um, I'll read one last one. So um, it's titled Threnody. January full orange moon hangs close enough to eat dark year of lockdown, bloodshed, keening for Tyree. I buy orchids each of 36 amaranthine weeks, invoke wildlife to pull me through February anguish I so feral beauty for Amon. On my late mother's March birthday, Dragonflies pray for the souls of our dead. Brianna, for Mama, I plant red gladiolas for Daniel. April daffodils, flocks, tulips bloom. I sing hymns beneath a lemon moon. Deep lavender whispers, a requiem in blue. George Floyd in May, the month my son was born and died. I walk, cry, lament through foothills, apricot, poppies, coronac, in memories of Rayshard, Harold June, fury steeps, July black roses smolder, August weeps, seven shots fired at Jacob. Children inconsolable, re-traumatized, they we recall. I can't breathe, a monody white supremacy bequeaths to some. Bereft geraniums, bereaved wisteria, remember grief, Trayvon, Eric, Michael, Laquan, Tamir. Who, who am I to be? What's mine, yours, ours to do, to give a damn? Now we see no this dirge. Prescient, September full 
We are back and we are, of course, blown away by all that great storytelling that you just heard and poetry uh, and storyscapes. Boy, we're just like a regular arts consortium here. <laughs> and it's going to get even more esoteric as we move along through this mini season 2.5 because we've got a lot of stuff waiting for you. Uh, we're going to keep this short. First, I'm going to encourage you all to follow us on our socials. We have a story forward group on Facebook where you can um, get on and, and trade barbs and argue with us and come up with interesting nicknames for each other. Right. Uh, and we also have a presence on both the uh, Twitter and the Instagram story dot forward. Uh, same sort of thing, only accompanied by visuals on, on Instagram. Instagram, yes. So I want to thank Mackenzie Heilman, who does the lion's share of our socials. Larry, you put some stuff out there too, I know, on Twitter. But she does a ton of great work for us. And we also do have the Story Forward podcast on Facebook, and there's also Story Forward in general. But we do want to thank our man, Brett Battistain. Oh, I love yeah. it. And he runs Ease, E-A-S-E dash drop.com, uh, podcast network that hosts us. Um, generously and he helps out I, I have his pa system in my car right now he helped <laughs> he helped us out with another event this last week around the issue of uh, book banning here in idaho nice. yeah that's uh, that's a thing that happens in idaho um and all over other parts of the country but i think we should thank jared bostrom as well um the manimal the manimal who helps us out with the editing um and Gosh, spoiler our whole story, for, story forward team. Spoiler alert, you may be hearing more from Jared Bostrom in upcoming episodes. I, that's our plan, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, find out, I guess, what Eavesdrop is doing at ease-drop.com. We are Christian Wynn and Larry Rosen, and this is season 2.5 of the Story Forward podcast. And Don't uh, forget to move the story forward. Oh, we have to keep moving the story forward, don't we? Yep, keep that narrative moving. <laughs>